Well, hello from Topeka, Kansas. You know, I used to live in Hayes. It was a lot closer. And uh, I lived in Hayes for 40 years. I pastored that church for 40 years. I didn't, matter of fact, when I was 70, somebody asked me if I was ever going to move. I said, no, I'm old enough that if God was going to move me, he hadn't done it by now. And uh, I, I can't believe I say stuff like that. And then a couple years later, I'm hearing the Lord say, how about moving to Topeka? And, I, and uh, to be real honest with you, one of the biggest draws of Topeka was this lady right here. And uh, God supernaturally put us together. We'd known each other for years. We'd gone to minister's conferences. I knew her husband much better than I knew her. I'd just say hi and bye to her. And some days in this marriage, that's still a good thing to do sometimes <laughs> on my part. But I do know that uh, God evidently had an incredibly different plan for us and that you can enjoy life for your entire life is a blessing from God. And I believe God wants that and God desires that for us. And if you agree with that, say amen. So Pastor Margaret, thank you. Thank you for your kindness. You're wonderful people. Eugene, uh, you're a blessing. Um, you know, I heard the Lord say, uh, I was praying last night. I was praying and, I, and your name came to mind. Uh, you know, just to to relieve you, uh, when Debbie's mind came to my mind, when her name came to my mind, I, got, I married her. <laughs> and in this day and age, who knows? I mean, <laughs> but I heard the Lord say, and, and I've, I'm going to pass this on because it just it's, it stayed there. But the Lord said uh, out loud, I heard him say, no, 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 no. And I kind of caught it, and he said, sometimes that's what Eugene says to me. Not about everything, as he is a very obedient young man. But there are some things that come to your mind that you start thinking about it in your own human capacity, and you go, no, no, no. And the Lord says, I'm going to turn that no into a yes, yes. And you'll have a supernatural peace with it. Amen? Then if that doesn't fit you, then put it on a shelf and just leave it there. Throw darts at it, whatever you want it. <laughs> I just, I love to see young people, young lions growing up to serve the Lord. And I love to see them in action. And, and uh, young men with integrity and, you know, anybody under 50 is young to me. But, uh, but just to see young people living lives of integrity in this day and age is an awesome thing. Can you agree with that? So we're all raising our children to do just that. We want them to grow up and serve God, uh, grow, raise them up in the nurture and the admiration of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and give them a solid foundation. We can't live for God for them, but we can live with God as an example for them. And so that should draw them in. And if you've got children that are out there and still kind of hanging on the fringe, well, God's, he's the, if he's a chain breaker, he's a fringe breaker. He'll get them off the fringe, and he'll get them to where they need to be. Amen. Hey, I do have a message, but before I get into the message, and some of you may be wondering how long. You know, it's not going to be long, but when I say stuff like that, it ends up being longer than what I thought it would. So it's just going to be as long as the Lord wants it. How's that? But I, I think you'll enjoy this. The man told the doctor that he doesn't know what to do. 
He explained that consistently his wife appears to lose her temper for reasons unknown and that it alarms him. After hearing his sentiment, the doctor disclosed to him that he has a solution for his concern for his beloved wife. When it seems that your wife is getting angry, just take a glass of water and start swishing it in your mouth, said the doctor. Just swish and swish, but don't swallow it until she either leaves the room or calms down. The man was relieved. After two weeks, he returned to the doctor looking fresh and reborn. He told the doctor that his idea was brilliant. Every time my wife started losing it, I swished the water, he shared. I swished and swished, and she calmed right down. How does a glass of water do that? To which the doctor replied, the water itself does nothing. It's keeping your mouth shut that does the trick. Ah, that's awesome. That probably was for me. <laughs> we uh, are on our way to Red River, New Mexico, uh, year, years ago when I was teaching in school, before I went into the ministry. Uh, we went out there and worked every summer. And uh, we worked there for about, oh, seven years and ran a go-kart track, and, which was kind of fun. And so we got, I've, of course, been real familiar with that area. And, and after, after Debbie and I got married, I started talking about Red River. And she likes to go see places that I've been. And so we're on our way out there and going to meet with several of my children. Uh, by the way, we have a large family. Uh, I have five adult children. She has six. Uh, she has 20 grandchildren. I have 21. And if anybody needs some of those for Christmas... <laughs> We can help you out a bit. But we're on our way out there. But one of the things that's kind of, it's always interesting to see how God sets things up because he just sets them up so practically. But when we were making plans to go to Red River, I said, why don't, why don't we do this? Why don't we just drive to Guyman on a Saturday and get up and go to church on a Sunday morning, see Margaret and... and and then drive on into to Red River. And we just kind of laid that aside because birthday parties and stuff going on. And then, uh, and then it was sometime later, I think just, just last Monday, Pastor Margaret had given, given me a call and she said, would you be interested in ministering either this Sunday coming, which is this Sunday or the next Sunday? And I just simply told her, I said, I think this Sunday would be a better one to do it. And that's, that's how I ended up here. And I would have been glad just to come and sit and be a part of the service, but I really do think that we can pick up where the Holy Spirit often leaves us when we do ministry, and we don't have to get it all done in one moment. But I want to share with you how I got really the heart for today's message. I was a part of Pastor Charlie's memorial service, and I got up and I shared a little bit, not a lot, and, uh, but I shared a little bit about blind Bartimaeus. And I shared how that blind Bartimaeus in one swift movement, because he was, he was physically blind, but sometimes we forget, sometimes some of us are spiritually blind. And we can spend a lot of time in our lives asking the question, why? We can spend a lot of time wanting to understand, and God will give us understanding of those things that he wants to give us understanding of. And other times he'll just simply say, that's not for now. And so I, I ministered that just, just to encourage people. And one of the things that Bar, blind Bartimaeus did when he was sitting there begging for help, 
along the side of the road. And when he heard that Jesus of Nazarene was passing by, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people began to tell him, hush up, be quiet, don't bother the master. And he screamed all the louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And I, I shared that, and, and I don't know that I said it that loud at the memorial service, but to me it was just God instructing us that when we're going through a very difficult time and we need to an answer, you need to understand that Jesus, the son of David, is passing by and that he will have mercy on you because he knows how to give nothing else but mercy. And so when we got through talking Monday, I started praying about just thinking about what am I going to minister on and I heard the Holy Spirit say, well, I'm going to pick up where I left off at the memorial service. I said, well, okay great. So then I just started digging a little bit and started looking at blind Bartimaeus a little bit more in-depthly. And I, I believe this morning that this will help you. Because we all need enlightened. We live in a day and age when people who think they're enlightened are not enlightened. Those are people that are now calling good evil and evil good. Those are people who are now calling sin righteous and righteous sin. Those are people that they need enlightened, but what they need more than anything is the light of the world. They need to know that Jesus, son of David, is passing by. And if you're earnest enough and you're willing to go after enough, you will get hold of God and him, you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we bless you this morning. We thank you so much for your goodness, your mercy. And Father, I thank you for hearts that are receptive to you. I thank you, Father God, that you know, you understand better than any of us what it means to be one with you. Help us to draw closer by the Spirit of grace. Help us to be empowered today to hear and to see so that we can be enlightened, so that we can understand your goodness and your mercy in our lives so that we can then share it with others. And Lord, we do bless you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. And we thank you most of all that you chose to love us individually. And you sent your son to die that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. That we can live with you forever because of the shed blood of Jesus has washed us clean. In Jesus' name. Amen. Blind means unable to see because of injury disease, or congenital condition, lacking perception, awareness of discernment, to deprive of understanding, judgment, or perception. Somehow, people become blinded to the truth. We've often looked at situations and say, how can they not understand that that's the truth? Or how can they not understand that that's a lie? Being blind to, to the realities of who you are in Christ Sometimes we lose sight of that. We are the redeemed of the Lord. We are the blood-bought generation. 
We are those that have come into the kingdom. We are those who have been brought and delivered out of the power of darkness and delivered into the kingdom of his dear son. That's our positional place. The Bible says we've been made to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's where we live. That's where we abide. And I liked what the worship leader said this morning. We start from a point, or the prayer leader said this morning, we're starting from a point of victory. We don't come into battles and say we're on our way to victory. We got it going in. We just have to establish it. Amen. Sometimes the devil just is stupid. He, he thinks if we'll just back off, that he can have his way with us. But we're not going to back off or shut up or quit. Amen. Amen. So the, John 9, 25 says, I don't know whether he is a sinner, speaking of Jesus, who healed him because the religious people did not like people getting healed. But I know this. I was blind and now I can see. I don't know about you, but there was a time in my life spiritually that I was blind. But Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Nazarene, came walking by my place in Stockton, Kansas, back in 1973, in the spring of 1973. And I got born again. Teaching school in Stockton, Kansas, just a good old sinner. Had a couple of Christian kids and their family, their parents were praying for me. And I remember... Uh, the, the transformation in me evidently was, was noticeable because the next year I got saved at the end of the first school year I taught school and then the next year I uh, had time to grow during the summer and develop and, and be discipled a bit. And I remember this one gal by the name of Kay come up. She said, Mr. Oakley, you're different. What happened to you? And I said, well, Kay, I met Jesus. And she goes, I knew it. I knew it. We've been praying for you. My mom and dad, we've been praying for you. That you. I said, well, your prayer worked. Thank you. But I think sometimes in life, we don't go back to those moments because we think, well, we're born again. And, and we begin to take so much of that grace of God for granted. I once was blind, but thank God now I see. And the more I spend with Jesus, the more time I spend with him, the more clearly I see. I can see clearer now than I could back in 1973. I know that Jesus is who he says he is. And I know that I've been made to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I know I am blood washed. I know I'm blood bought. I know that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. And so we establish that. And some days you just have to get up and say, God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for washing my life. I, I love the scripture that you shared with, with the people during offering out of Philippians 4. I, I experienced that in a real way. Way back in 1975, before I went to, might have been after 75, I just, well, actually, I'd gotten out of Raymond in 76. But I was running a business and I'd bought a pickup to haul a trailer, and, and uh, I got behind on the payments. And uh, I was going to get the money, but it just, uh, one of the jobs fell through, and so it kind of left me hanging. And it wasn't anybody's fault but my own. But yeah, but before it was all said and done, I was behind four truck payments. And I don't remember how much they were, but it's, it might as well have been thousands of dollars because I didn't have it. When you don't have it, it's a lot of money. So they, they have those wonderful creditors that will call your number and talk to you. And, and this one man called me, and he, and he had called me Mr. Oakley, and he said, I'm calling to you about your past uh, payments. And I said, yes, sir. And he said... Uh, I'm just wondering if you could pay us. And I said, well, sir, all I can tell you right now is what Philippians 4.19 says. 
He said, what? I said, all I can tell you right now is what Philippians 4.19 says. He said, Philippians 4.19, yeah, Scripture it says, but my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. And I'm sure you thought, well, what a dingbat. And, and uh, so a week later, they call about every week, you know. And I answered the phone again, said, uh, Mr. Oakley. And by that, after that first time, now I'm, he's calling me Wes. He said, he said, Wes, just calling about your back payments. Are, are you able to pay? And I said, no, right now. I said, all I can tell you is what Philippians 4.19 says. But my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So okay, and hung up, call me again next week. It happened a couple more weeks, and on the fourth or fifth week, this guy called up, and he said, Wes, he said, this is so-and-so. I said, no, I recognize your voice. And, uh, <laughs> and he said, uh, just calling about the payments. I said, well, all I can tell you is what Philippians 4.19 says, but my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And he said, well, when he does, will you send us some? I said, absolutely. <laughs> that day, I got the money to pay all those payments. That day. You say, well, how embarrassing. Well, I, I'll get embarrassed like that any time if I get in debt and God will pay it off supernaturally for me. But I'm just saying sometimes you have to literally practice that scripture. Either that scripture is true or it's not true. I was pastoring in Ulysses. That's where I first started pastoring. Started a church there. We were talking last night. We started there in October of 77. They started here in November of 77. And, um, and so I, I, it was early on in the ministry there, but we heard, heard some teaching about the word of faith, and, and, and we love that teaching, still love it. And casting out devils, I never heard of that kind of stuff. But it, we were in a church service where we were serving communion, and back then didn't have the COVID scare, and, and the way we did communion, we just had a loaf of bread back there, and people would walk by and pick it up and tear a piece off and grab a glass of wine and dip it. I mean, it was we didn't use alcoholic wine. We were Christians. <laughs> we never got in that argument. But anyhow, this guy came by, tore the loaf in half, just walked away eating a whole half loaf of bread. He was a transient. Somehow I just ended up visiting our church. And I thought, well, hallelujah, we still got half a loaf for the rest of everybody, and, and uh, that worked out fine. And so toward the end of the service, <laughs> this guy sent back on, we had three sections, middle and then two sides, and he was on the back, back on the back row on the end seat. And right toward the end of the service, he got out a cigarette and lit it up in service. And I'm looking at the ushers, I'm going, <laughs> and they're not doing anything. So I close the service out, and I go back there, and I said, uh, sir, listen, if you want to smoke, that's fine, but you need to take it outside. And that guy stood up, and his eyes did something I'd never seen eyes do in my life. They turned a fiery red, and they just got distorted, and I just so holy mackerel. And he stood up and he said in a voice that was not a natural voice, he said, I'm going to kill you. And I thought, you know what your brain does in moments like that? You're thinking, uh, newspaper report next day, pastor dies in church over a loaf of bread. And <laughs> but anyhow, I looked at this guy and, and the thought came, 
Now, wait a minute. There's a word from God that says, greater is he who's in me than he who is in the world. And I looked at that guy and I said, you're not going to kill me in the name of Jesus because greater is he who is in me than he who is in you. And I rebuked you in the name of Jesus. And honest to God, he turned and ran out of that service. Turned and ran. I've had several people ask me, did you chase him? No, no, I didn't chase him. I'm just glad he left. But there are times you've got to experience the Word of God by just practicing it. We're afraid to practice it for fear we might be wrong. And sometimes you're probably going to be wrong. But that's no reason to quit. That's just more reason to go on. God is there. The Bible says if you fall, he's there to pick you up time and time and time again. Man, I, I've worried the Lord probably at times in my life. Saying, well, hey, let me help you back up. Let me help you back up. Let me help you back up. He is forever wanting to help you get back up on your feet. Do not let a failure keep you from going on with God. So here we have blind Bartimaeus, and they say, well, what does he have to do with all this? Let's read in Mark chapter 10. We're going to read through... Uh, uh, well, let's, let's just go. We know that the Hebrew people knew that when the Messiah come, he would obey or heal the blind. And Isaiah 35, verses 4 through 5, says, Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you, and when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. I'm thinking Bartimaeus may have known this. They had an idea back in those days, the Jew, Jewish people did, if you hung around at all in the synagogues, you probably heard that scripture. And so here we go in Mark chapter 10, verse 46 through 52. This is New Living Translation. Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. I'm going to call Bartimaeus Bart for short. When Bart heard these, that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Again, a Jewish person would have known that he was addressing Jesus as a Messiah because they knew that's where the Messiah was coming from. He would be a son of David. So he was addressing him as the Messiah. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him, but he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said, come on, he's calling you. So Bart threw aside his coat, jumped up, came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. How many times have you read a passage of scripture like that and say, why didn't Jesus say that to me? He does all the time. We just don't think we're worthy enough for him to say something like that. What do you want me to do for you? And so this blind man answered, my rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. I think sometimes, and I don't, we, we talked a little bit about this last night over supper, and, and 
I do think sometimes in the faith world we've gotten to a place where we receive, we receive things by faith, but we expect it to take a long time. I think we ought to reverse that. I want it right now. You say, well, you, don't, you need time to grow, Pastor. You need time to develop. Well, I've had some of those times. I've developed. I've gone through really, really tough times, and people tell me, they come and say, Pastor, that, that's just God's using that for character development. And I say, I've had about all the character development I want up to now. Now, I know that's a stupid statement, but that's how you feel in the flesh. But I do know this, that when we pray, we, should, we, we know we receive it then. Why not expect it to manifest then? And if it doesn't, then you're going to be fully at peace with that because God is, he learned how to leave. Peace is a good compass. The peace of God. So Jesus and his disciples, they hear a blind beggar and, and all those people are walking before him. And I mean, it's causing quite a stir. And this blind man who is blind physically is literally seeing better than all the people that can see with their eyes. Because he recognizes that his hope is walking by. Jesus Christ is our hope. That is true in the Old Testament just like it's true in the New Testament. But somehow he got revelation of that. And he began to cry out, say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And this man who was God personified, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, God Emmanuel, this God stopped when he heard that blind man cry out for him. And all the people that had been saying, hush, be quiet, don't bother this great, wonderful man of God, he's got things to do, he stopped and said, bring him to me. And then the guys all get it, they change, oh, wow, cheer up, now this guy wants you. Sometimes the crowds can be hypocrites. Hey man, this isn't one of them, is it? Because we live by the word of God. But when he cried out, God Emmanuel stopped. He said, Bring him here. How many times that that's happened in my life? I'm not saying I'm any better than anybody else, but I do know this when I've been in a tough spot that when I cry out to God for his mercy, Jesus passes my way. And by the Holy Spirit, I am empowered and delivered through that in victory. But you got to be willing to just step into that. We don't do it perfectly. Never will probably. Not until we get to heaven. But why don't we practice here? Why don't we practice here? Well, we say something by faith and people say, well, I wouldn't say that. Well, it's the truth. This man, we, we need to be as smart, of good example, as smart as these good examples we see in the Bible. This man who was blind and a beggar, the Bible said one of the things he threw off was his cloak. To a beggar, that was one of his most valuable items because that's what he'd use to cover up and keep warm at night with. Probably what he used to spread over his legs so that people could throw money into it. He couldn't see it coming to him, so they just throw it into his apron maybe. But the Bible says when Jesus came by, he started crying. He threw that cloak off of him. And Jesus called him up. And then the Bible says he was instantly healed 
and followed Jesus. I have seen people get healed that haven't followed Jesus. I know that healing can be a wonderful drawing card. But when God heals you, we ought to be at least grateful enough to acknowledge that God did it and I'm alive because of him. I prayed for people, honest to God, and I, I prayed for family members, if you will. One in particular that was near death. Doctors had said there's no hope. Was in a coma, a medically induced coma for about 42 days. And they didn't know if when they brought him off the ventilator if he'd live or die. And I remember telling a loved one, look at me. And we just lost a couple of young people in our church in their 40s to cancer. So it was, you know, I was battling my faith. I was battling my unbelief. And I remember looking at this person whom I love very much, and I said, I'm telling you, look at me. And it took everything in me because I had just been in a fight with two people over the last three years that weren't even 40 years old that died of cancer. And I thought, dear God, why do we even pray sometimes? He'd say, well, that goes through my mind. I'm no different than anybody else, but I do know this. The Lord God is the Lord God, and he changes not. And so I was in a fight with them, and it seemed like we lost the battle. We didn't lose the war. They went to heaven. They're in heaven, and maybe we'll find out all the answers to that. I don't know why people die prematurely, but I do know this. It's not the will of God. Just like in this day of Bartimaeus, the religious people back in those days, Pharisees, they thought if you were sick, it's because sin was in your life. Some charismatic word people think that some. What did they do wrong? How about what did they do right? But I looked at this person I loved very much, and their mate, maybe not going to live. I said, look at me. He will live and not die. So I'm telling you, he will live and not die. You say, why would you say that when you just lost two battles? Because it's still the truth. He will live and not die and proclaim the good things of the Lord. But you know, they don't get it all. They get healed and come, and person's still alive and, and love and respect and thank God for them. I'm glad God healed them. And, and, but but I, if I got healed, I think I would be more grateful. You, you think you would. But only you going through a time like that would tell that. But I, I think if God healed me from a deathbed, I would be kind of grateful. I would be willing to serve him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. We all have opportunities to not believe. But I'd like to think that your faith today is going to be a Messiah stopper. He'll stop and say, what do you have need of? Lord, I need your help. What do you want? I want that taken care of. I want the peace of God knowing that I know that I know that that is a done deal. We're almost afraid to ask him that anymore. But ask, amen? Amen. You know, one of the things that's kind of interesting when I was studying this, and, and uh, I don't know if this will relax you or not, but I'm just on my second page of five no, pages of notes. <laughs> what time do you usually finish up here? 
around 12? Well, how many of you are walking in forgiveness? You guys can stay. The rest of you will have to go. But here's one of the interesting things. Like when we read the scripture like that, we're thinking, well, they're just, he was just physically blind. But here, blindness can take up from the Greek, can take another meaning. Like in Mark 10, where the Greek word used for blind is tufilus. It relates mostly to idolatry, oppression, and self-willedness. So you can be blind spiritually without being blind physically. And a lot of times, this is more the case than not. There's a lot more people who can see with their physical eye, but they're blinded spiritually. The Bible says it's the God of this world that's blinded people's minds to the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And then the word for used for see or seeing in this passage of Scripture in Mark 10 is aneblepo, which is generally is associated with a return to covenant fidelity. A return to your covenant with God. Woohoo! Sometimes we need to return to our covenant with God. Amen? I want you to notice that Bartimaeus crying out to God when, I don't know why it is, and I'm not, I don't know that you can even preach this doctrinally, but it seems like people who are desperate for God find him. You mean I have to get desperate for God to find him? Sometimes it helps. When somebody's looking you in the eye and telling you with eyes that are not normal, that were normal just a couple of seconds before that, and says with a tone of voice that you don't hear on this earth that he's going to kill you, you're hoping Jesus is paying attention. And right now, if I ever need help, this would be a good time for it. But I'm just saying you and I can be Jesus stoppers. And he'll come walking your way. And he'll say, what can I do for you? I've had a lot of fun in my new marriage with, with Debbie. Debbie prays in tongues a lot. And she prays out loud. And I, first few times she did that, I would go, are you talking to me? And she'd say, no, Holy Spirit. Okay, so I'd come back in there. I felt like Eli in the temple when is that voice for me? No, it's God talking to somebody else. Well, it's good to talk to God a lot. Praying in the Holy Ghost is a Jesus stopper. We come into contact with him when we pray in the Holy Spirit. Can you agree with that? We want to live for God. We want to understand that even though we're not perfect, the one who lives inside us is. And if we'll trust in him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, we will get back on track. Listen to this. These, these are kind of interesting, and I think probably would be good for us to know. i got to get my notes in line here. This will help you, because I want you to understand that you can learn certain things from just reading through the Bible and reading a story in the Bible, but you can learn that there's some things that you can do just based upon the story of Bartimaeus that I think will help all of us. The first thing you can do is 
don't let anybody silence your voice or dampen your enthusiasm when you're chasing after Jesus. No, you don't want to do that. I remember telling a young man uh, that had just gotten recently born, we were going to a meeting with men that thousands upon thousands of men were there, and, and I talked him into going with me, and, and he went, and he was the son of a, uh, one of the leading citizens of our community. And when he got back from that, his dad was a little bit embarrassed that he went to that. And he told his son, literally told him, said, just, just don't get overboard with this Jesus thing. And his son pretty much has done that for 30-some years. Wow. Don't ever silence your voice or let a group of people silence your voice when you're chasing after Jesus. Psalms 50, verse 15. Then call on me when you're in trouble, and I will rescue you and give you glory, and you, and you will give me glory. Call upon me in, when you're in trouble. I don't know if you've ever been in trouble or not. I don't know if you've ever had any difficulties going on in your life, but the Bible says call upon him when you're in trouble. Secondly, your relationship with God, yours is personal. It's between you and him. Between you and him. God is a relational God and wants an intimate relationship with you. And that's really hard to happen unless you keep your eyes focused on him. Can you say amen? When blind Bartimaeus called out, Jesus stopped. That's a big deal. That's a real big deal. We all ask questions like that when we go through tough times. We cry out to him, Lord, what's going on here? He'll stop and help you through it. Can you say amen? Bart had focus on Jesus. Man, he, his physical eyes weren't on him, but his spiritual eyes were. And he wasn't going to be deterred by anybody, including a crowd. You can almost be guaranteed of this. Obstacles will be put in your way. Something's going to come to try to get you to turn another way. We've talked about, I don't know, a little bit about your and Pastor Charlie's history getting ready to go to Rhema, but Debbie and I, we talked about that a lot, and we family members tried to talk us out of it. Good Christian brothers and sisters tried to talk us, talk us out of it. They thought, well, you're nuts. Why are you doing something? Why would you uproot your whole family? You just, my mom even said, you just graduated from college. You got a job teaching school. Why in the world do you want to go a different way? Well, because Jesus stopped. I didn't say it exactly like that, because Jesus stopped. I was crying, Lord, what do I do? And all of a sudden, I said, I need to go into, I need to receive the call into the ministry. How do you do that? You just start walking with him. What do you need? Lord, I need your direction. I need you getting me to where I need to be. And somehow, by the grace of God, I, with my family, ended up in Tulsa. A few years later, Debbie and her husband ended up there. Same way. They had people that tried to talk them out of it. And I know that the message that we learned there, a lot of people didn't like it. You know why the word of faith is so readily pushed back by a lot of people? 
as a word of faith puts a responsibility on you. And most people would rather just believe in the, the complete sovereignty of God. Whatever happens, good or bad, is God's will. That's hogwash. Amen. See, the thing about visiting and preaching, you can say stuff like that and then you're leaving. <laughs> Pastor Margaret would have to straighten everything out. And... But there will be obstacles put in your way. Here's what Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, and I'm going to start in the middle of what he has putting up there, but it says, <clears throat> do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it, strip down, start running, and never quit. Bartimaeus threw off his cloak and started running after Jesus. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race we're in. Study how he, Jesus, did it, because he never lost sight of where he is headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. Bart was hungry for God. He would put up with whatever because Jesus stopped, healed him instantly, and he followed Jesus the rest of his life. I have to believe that. So, again, we have a choice when we're walking with God. Don't let anybody silence your voice or dampen your enthusiasm when you're chasing for Jesus. Your relationship with Christ is personal. Obstacles will be put in your way, so be ready to cast them inside. And then number four, don't pay attention to the crowd. The same people who discouraged and rebuked Bart for crying out now said, cheer up, he's calling you. The crowd is changeable. They don't have as much invested as Bart does. Because that day that Bart woke up, that very day, was just another day to him. I'm going to go out and sit by the dusty road and beg for help from people to help me do what I can't do on my own. And that's probably going to just be my lot in life. I'll do this for however many years and then I'll just die. What a vision of hopelessness that is. But that day... Jesus of Nazareth, son of David, came walking by. And Bart had enough sense to ask, what's happening here? Oh, don't bother yourself. It's Jesus, the son of God, walking by. God, Emmanuel. <laughs> they didn't say something like, you just need to be quiet. Nope, I've been sitting here way too long. After a while, you ought to get tired of just sitting there. Start moving. Amen. I'm not saying you don't. I'm just saying sometimes people just sit in the same spot and that's not what God wants. And then fourthly, do not pay attention to the crowd. The same people who discouraged and rebuked Bart for crying out now said, cheer up, he's calling you. The crowd is changeable. And you got to understand in Hebrews 13.8, it just simply reminds us Jesus Christ is the same what? Yesterday, today, and forever. And then in Isaiah 59, verse 19 says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. That is good news. Amen? Blind Bartimaeus had his course 
changed in one instant moment. I don't know about you, but I've had my course changed several times. Interesting story about this NASA space program when they were doing the shuttle. You know, coming into the 20th century, that was one of the greatest things that happened technology-wise. Taking space shuttles, putting them on the back of liquid hydrogen <laughs> with enough force to carry them into outer space at thousands, tens of thousands of miles per hour. And they get that shuttle up and inject it into space, inject it into orbit. The greatest minds in the world were working for NASA at that time, maybe still are. But these guys were sharp cookies. They, they knew stuff about mathematics. They knew stuff about scientific things that you and I have never even thought about. But with all that knowledge, all that intellectual know-how, when that space shuttle was released into space, released into orbit, only 3% of the time it was in orbit was it on course. The scientists down here spent 97% of the time straightening the course of that ship. Had they not straightened out the course, they would have drifted off into never, never land and never come back. Only 3% of the time. These are the best minds in the world. And they couldn't keep a plane flying straight. They'd done a pretty good job, didn't they? Because they knew how to direct the, and change the course from down here. Listen, God knows how to change your course. Well, this is another example. Then. <clears throat> I'm getting close to closing. You know that means it could happen within the next hour. <laughs> but the golfers who do the best in pro golf are the golfers who learn how to manage the course, and especially when they've hit a bad shot. That's what made Tiger Woods such a great golfer. He knew how to correct his course on the golf course. He knew how to hit shots that looked like they were next to impossible. But because he could manage his poor shots, he became one of the best golfers ever. Some of us Christians need to learn some course management. We need to correct our course. And Jesus is willing to stop and listen. He listens to us. I don't know about you, but I'm glad he does. I was, uh, can I tell you a little story about the history of Debbie and I, how we came together? I had told my, in time with my Lord, I had just said, Lord, I said, I don't like being alone after my wife had stepped into heaven. And I said, I just don't like being alone. I've not been alone all my life. I've lived with somebody my entire life. And, uh, and just, and I said, and furthermore, I'm not the one to wrote, it's not good for man to be alone. And I said, I'm just believing that. And it was just a short time after that that I heard the name Debbie come to my mind. 
I said, the only Debbie I could think of that I knew was this Debbie, and I knew that her husband had passed away several years before that. I thought, well, how in the world did that ever happen? And one day, she's having a camp meeting in, in her church in Topeka, and I tell my son-in-law, that's my associate who, who's now pastoring the church, took my place when I left. I said, how would you like to go to camp meeting and listen to, I thought at the time it was another guy that was speaking, but he said, that'd be great. So we got up early that next morning and we drove to Topeka and we went in and, and uh, saw Debbie from a distance, said hi, and sat and got ministered to. And after the service, she came out, we were talking, she thanked us for coming. And she said, would you like to go out and eat with Joe and I? That was the speaker. And I said, and Tim and I said, well, yeah. And so we went out to eat and they got in there before I did. And, and so Debbie and I had to sit in the same booth on the same side. And Debbie had a purse, lift that purse up. You might need Eugene's help. She had a purse bigger than that. And she put it between us. And then she scooted as far over against that wall as she could. And I scooted as far as I could to the edge like this. And I turned my back on her and crossed my legs and talked there for, we had about an hour of lunch and then, then left. That was in June. Then we went to, I ended up at camp meeting in Tulsa for a couple of days, and she was there, and one of the nights she had a daughter that came and said, why don't you come down and sit with us? And I said, well, okay. And so we got down there, and Debbie was sitting down on that end, and I was sitting on this end. I said, hi. And then after the service, uh, her daughter and her son-in-law asked if we'd like to go out, if I'd like to get some ice cream with them. So we went to Brahm, so we went and sat there and talked and visited. That's in July. And so we get back. And all the time I'm thinking, this isn't work. But that night, before we went to get ice cream, we, I was staying, visiting with people I hadn't seen for a long time. And so we kind of closed it down. Lights were down. And we got outside, and there was only a couple cars left in the parking lot, hers and mine. Hers was clear across the way. And I said, uh, where are you parked? She says, way over in that parking lot. I said, would you mind if I walked you over there? And she said, that would be awesome. And then she said, well, you're my hero now. And uh, no, that was just my dream. <laughs> we're supposed to dream, right? So we're, we're dry, walking over there, and I'm thinking, this is kind of nice. I'm not knowing what she's thinking, so I get her over there and then because uh, we're going to go get ice cream. I'll, I'll speed this thing up a little bit. Well, we did that and had some nice conversation, and then that was July, end of July. And then... October came, August, September, October. Um, her daughter that had been at camp meeting asked, called up, her husband did, said, would you like to meet for lunch? And so I said, yeah, so let's meet in Salina. I was about halfway for each of us. And um, so we were talking, and I was trying to work up the courage. And I finally just said to uh, her daughter, I said, I got a ninth grade question to ask you. And she said, what is that? I said, is your mom seeing anybody? And she said, no. And I said, do you think she would mind if I called her? And her daughter goes immediately, call her. <laughs> I said, really? She said, yeah. I said, well, you're going to have to give me her number because I don't have her number. And so uh, it was just a couple of days later in, in November where 
I, I called her, texted her on Sunday afternoon to see if she would be open to a call, and she said yes, and, and, uh, and that was just, that was the start of a really good journey. And so we ended up getting married. That was in November. We ended up getting married several months later in February. We got married quick enough. I said, Debbie, we're doing, we're getting married early like we've counseled tons of people not to do. (laughs) But I said all that to say this. Jesus helps us in every situation in our life. And if you just listen to him, you'll end up with the best that he has. I never dreamed that being married again would just have the significance in my life that it does now. And I'm not demeaning my prior marriage. Debbie and I, between both of us, we have like 94 years of marriage between us. You add them together. So it's not like we haven't been married. And um, I was just three months short of celebrating 51 years with, with my wife Sandy. And she had celebrated 42 years with, with her husband before he passed away. So we, we get opportunities. I'm not saying... That, What's for me is for you. I'm just saying, when you cry out to God, He hears you. He hears where you are, knows knows where you are, and hears your voice. The voice of a stranger, you and I will not follow. Amen? I like Bart. I like what happened to him. He's gonna be, guys like that are going to be fun to talk to when you get to heaven. But I'd like to ask you to do something. I'd like you to stand with me. But I want you to think about when's the last time that you really seriously called upon the Lord? Or has your prayer life been like mine sometimes get? Well, you know, rather than, good morning, Lord, good morning, good Lord, it's morning. But there needs to be a time in your life, as often as you want it to be, where you literally say, Lord Jesus, would you have mercy on me? Mercy for those moments of omission and not obeying you. Forgiveness in those moments when I haven't done what you have wanted me to do. Forgiveness in that moment when I didn't treat that person the way they needed to be treated. Jesus, have mercy on me. We need a body of believers that can literally distribute the mercy of God because we've experienced it to a world that really does need mercy. Amen? Your household, you may have children that need the mercy of God. If you cry out to God, you'll stop him and he'll listen to you. Amen? So say this with me and say it kind of strong. Jesus! Lord God! Have mercy on me. Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. God, I want you to 
Get me on the right course by your precious Holy Spirit. And if I need course correction, I receive it now in Jesus' name. And I will not become, I'll not come behind in any good thing. For today is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. You have just gotten God's attention. You say, well, Pastor Wes, I don't feel anything. He pays attention to words. And he knows the thought and the intent of your heart. Can you say amen? Amen. God loves you a lot. And he wants you to stop him in his tracks. Pastor Margaret, again, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. You're great, easy people to minister to. God bless you. Thank you, Wes. Thank you. It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the Word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victory Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at victorycenter.org. Thank you.